Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sophie Collins, and I am a mother and entrepreneur, and I am obsessed with feeling my best. This show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life. I hope you enjoy. Today, I am bringing to you my first episode with a couple, and it's a couple that I really respect and admire, Melanie and Alex Ald. If you don't know her already, Melanie Ald is the owner, founder, and creative genius behind Melanie Ald Jewelry. She's always been a lover of jewelry and its intricacies, and she has wanted to tell stories through exquisitely designed pieces. She started her jewelry company as a passion project and curiosity, and she has grown it to the incredible brand that it is today. They're available online at Melanie All Jewelry and at their stores in Vancouver, in Kitsilano, and on Ossington in Toronto, which is one of my favorite little blocks in Toronto. We talk today about travel and how it's inspired Mel, as well as what it was like being a wife to an NHLer who is Alex Ald, who is her husband and also CFO of Melanie Ald Jewelry today and co-owner. And he is a Canadian former professional ice hockey goaltender. When I told Liam that I was interviewing an ex-NHLer, he was so stoked. I'll have to share the clip. Alex played in the NHL with Vancouver Canucks, Florida Panthers, Phoenix Coyotes, Boston Bruins, Ottawa Senators, Dallas Stars, New York Rangers, and the Montreal Canadiens. He also speaks about his time playing overseas in Austria and what that was like for him, as well as retiring from the NHL and making the full-time transition to business to support Melanie's dreams. They're such a power couple and also so different, clearly a foil for each other in terms of Alex's proficiency in logistics and Mel's creative spirit and inspiration. We're going to talk about how they balance that and everything that they do to make their dreams a reality for Melanie All Jewelry. So I hope you enjoy this one. It was really such a fun conversation to record and enjoy. Melanie and Alex, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm yeah. obsessed with your podcast. So obsessed with feeling my best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No, it's just such a pleasure. You're actually the first couple that I've had on. So I'm excited to actually Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah. I'm excited to actually dive right into that because I think Mel, when you and I first sat down, one of the things that really struck me that I admired of your story, which I hope you share a little bit more about today, was how you were kind of in the supporting role when Alex was building his career in hockey, and we can get into that. And then when you retired, you kind of rose your star up and started working on Melanie All Jewelry. And I just thought that was like such an interesting way to grow your family and be able to focus on what was important at the time. Yeah, it's... That feels like a really long time. It's like another life, ago. to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it is. But yeah, I mean, obviously playing hockey and playing in the NHL is pretty all-encompassing. It dictated our whole 
first part of our marriage, yeah. I guess, what, the first? Oh, decade or more, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So Alex put in so much hard work and effort into that. And yeah. we, I don't know. Well, we, we moved a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did. I was, yeah. I was yeah. like, hey, I was telling Liam that I was interviewing an ex-NHLer and he got very excited. I'll show you the and video. Then, and then after. he saw who it was. And no, like, oh. and I was like, he played for this team and this team and this team and this team. A lot of cool and, cities. Yeah. 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 We moved around a lot, but honestly, it was, it was a really exciting life too. Like, yeah. I love to travel and we were able to see so many different cities, meet so many really cool people. You get kind of like thrust into these cities where you don't know anybody, but the team is all in the same boat. So yeah. all of my girlfriends were like obviously wives of the players that were playing there and we were all away from home. So yeah. it's kind of like a built-in family and... That was kind of all we knew, but I guess I always felt like I wanted something. So even while Alex was playing, I was like dabbling in metalsmithing courses and I did have a company there. It just wasn't able to be my full-time focus because right. he was on the road all the time or training and then we would like have to pick up and move cities and reestablish ourselves there. So... Obviously, that doesn't lend itself to like hiring employees yeah. or really like, I guess, getting settled mm -hmm. well, for we, a business. We moved every year. Like I was yeah. never, never able to be in, we were never in the same house more than like two years in a row. So wow. it was anytime else sort of established anything in the business uh, network or anything, you were picking up and leaving yeah. the, the next season. So that was, it was hard to have any continuity for sure. But it was, I mean, it was a great time in our life. But again, it, was, it feels like a, a whole nother lifetime. Like, to be honest, it doesn't, it's almost like a different person lived it. Yeah, it's it's really, really bizarre. Is. Yet, yet it, it speaks to, I think, also how much we've just evolved and grown together as well. Because um, mm -hmm. we've kind of been, we've been together since we were 16, 17 years old. So that's, it's a long journey, really. And it's, uh, yeah, and here we are. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. What was it like? leaving each time to move to a new city for you, Mel? I think it got easier the more it happened. I don't know if I want to read into too much how I probably didn't attach to people as much. As, oh, let's like, hear all about it. <laughs> yeah, let's dive into it, actually. Let's not. Um, how, like, as we... As how it became a reality that we were moving every year, Yeah, I think I kind of... And we had kids at a certain point. Um, I guess it was, we lived in Boston at the time when we had Sam, our first. And I think after that, you kind of, you can turn inwards to your family course, and like be concentrating yeah. on your kids and your family and your little bubble yeah. itself rather than when it was just Alex and I. Yeah. Like I had to just fill my time, you know, it got easier. I'm really happy to be settled in Vancouver. Yeah, now. I know. It must yeah. have felt like such a like pinch me moment to really like build your dream house too here in Vancouver. And I know you worked on that for the last few years. Yeah. I honestly didn't think that was ever going to happen. Really? No, I, not too no. long ago, to be honest. Yeah. Like it was, you know, I don't know, the, really the last three or four years that became even sort of like a possibility for us. And like, yeah, for the longest time, we were kind of like, we chose to come back to Vancouver. And sometimes we were like, why? Like, it's... <laughs> in January? <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's just like, it's so expensive. Yeah. And like, it's it's hard to get your foot in the door, right? And then um, 
yeah, things change and, and we're able to have some success in the business and have that be something that was afforded to us. And I think it's, it was really exciting to watch. Mel's always wanted to do this. She's always wanted to have a project like that. And she's so creative and, and her design aesthetic is, is fantastic, obviously. So it was kind of like to actually get to that point where we're able to do that. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, it was fun to be along for the ride for me. There were some really difficult times for yes. sure, but, yes. uh, you know, to see the way it's all come together, it's been awesome. How do you impact Mel's design choices? <laughs> design choices? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's, well, it's interesting. So we worked with a great designer, your friend Jillian Siegel as well. And I, I there were points in there, like I'd bring up ideas and they'd both kind of look at me like, no. And, then, <laughs> and there'd be like, you know, like other people on Jillian's team along and they'd like kind of like indulge me like, yeah, good idea. And Laura. The, like, yeah, Laura. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but, and then just kind of the shake of the head and we move on. But I, I look at it more from like, and I'll even say this now. I'm like, I'm not giving a design opinion on this, but it's like, from a practicality point of view or yes. yeah. things like that, yeah. the way the kitchen functions is really important to me. And so those sorts of things, yeah. I would give my input, but I mean, the house turned out great. So I can't. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love it. He's a very supportive design partner. That's so he nice. kind of just lets me do it. Peter, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> my husband is like actually very opinionated when it comes to design, which is like why I ask and I feel like is kind of rare. I appreciate it because he's very knowledgeable, but when we were doing our house with Jillian, yeah. it was like three very opinionated people <laughs> sitting around the table. Well, I think like I've come to realize to really just trust Mel's opinion. And yeah. I think that that is in design and in, in business, like when it comes to her designing jewelry, when it comes to her designing our home, it's going to work. Even if I, and yeah. sometimes the crazier it may seem when I first hear it, the better it ends up being. So, yeah. um, but he's yeah. always trying to keep me on track budget wise. That's well, good. That's, you need I mean, that. That's yeah. my job. That's I'm C- CFO. CFO. <laughs> so, but it's, hopefully he's doing that. If not, he'd be a horrible CFO. Yeah. I'll say it's, that's hard to do on your own house. I was, it's easier to do. I think if it's yeah. a business project, if it's like, you know, you're, you're budgeting and planning for a, a collection, it, that's yeah. a lot easier when it's your own home and you're like, we're going to be here forever. Yeah. Like, what's another, like, you know, those little like incremental. Yeah. Add-ons, they 100%. add up, right? And at the end of the day, you're like, oh man, what do we do? <laughs> well, especially like knowing this is place you want to feel so grounded after moving around so much. I mean, like how many teams did you play on in those 10? It was, well, it was eight different organizations in 11 years and then one team in Europe as well. So right, in 12 in Austria, years, it was right? like nine different. Yeah, so it was a lot. And What the, was your favorite place to live? What do you think? I mean, obviously Vancouver because we came yeah. back. But if I had to pick some place other than that, this is gonna seem so random. But Dallas, Texas. Oh, tell yeah. me. I feel like you need a store in Dallas. There's some shoppers down yeah, there for sure. There is. Um, I don't know. I I couldn't tell you exactly why. I enjoyed the weather. We lived in a really beautiful community. I loved the homes around there. Yes. I'd walk my dogs in that Ugh. area. And they were all these like older homes that people had like painstakingly renovated. And they were all just like full of character and looked a little different. Yeah. And honestly, even the new homes were like built to look like older homes. Yeah. So the neighborhood just had a really cool feel. And I feel like Americans are very welcoming. Like, I, I actually love Texas. Yeah, I find like, that about Texas Yeah, as well. I found like it was easy. Sam was quite young. So we went to like, what is it? Like Gymboree or yeah. whatever. And like all the moms would just 
come over and then invite me over and invite me to all these yeah. things. And it just felt really easy. That's yeah, so nice. I really loved it there. It does seem like a very livable place, yes, Dallas. it was. I Everything actually, we needed was like pretty yeah. close other than, I guess, your practice. Yeah, but it, but it, well, the, <laughs> the, no, but it's, it's true though. And it's in some ways it's a little bit like Vancouver and that you can live in a great, great neighborhood, but be close to downtown. And yeah. like, I mean, obviously there's a lot more space in, in Texas than there is in the, the lower mainland in BC, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah, we, I mean, I really like Dallas too, I think, but to speak to Mel's point earlier about how like we evolved and like we went through all these different phases of our lives and our family while we were, while I was playing all these different cities afforded us different things too. Right. right. Like, um, I was, Mel wasn't there when I was in New York, I was in Manhattan with the Rangers. I got picked up at the end of that year in Dallas. I got picked up at the deadline by the Rangers. And so, um, Mel and Sam didn't come, but like that was, that was a cool two, three months, but I don't know that that's somewhere I would want to live full time with a family, right. like at where we're at right now, that might be tough, but it was so cool. And then, you know, South Florida was great in so many different ways. Um, Boston, where we had our first was, was great. And it was kind of a year that sort of saved my career in a way. It was a resurgence for myself, but I know it was, it was difficult for Mel too, because like Sam was due in January and I got oh, traded in November. Awesome. And like, so all Mel knew was like the last stages of pregnancy and a newborn. Yeah. in Boston and I was off <laughs> living my best life and yeah. you know really loving course, playing and, yeah. and we made it the playoffs that year and so there's all these different places just bring so many different aspects but Vancouver was always a place it was the first organization I was in first place I played in the NHL and we left and there was always this sort of unfinished business and we thought if ever we didn't settle down somewhere maybe we'd come back and and when I decided to retire and, and we were looking for somewhere to live it was kind of a unique experience because we could we were running an online business that was kind of just getting going and we could almost spin the globe and move anywhere and we chose Vancouver. That's like such a testament to Vancouver. I feel like we should sell that clip to them yeah. and they can use it for ads. Um that's amazing. And what was it like for you like making that choice to retire and those next couple of months or years? I can imagine it would be a challenging time. It was. You know, I don't and the the transition phase for an athlete ending their career is difficult. And um, I think everyone has a unique story. I think it was the real difficult time for me was probably the couple of years leading up to it. Um, right. I just stopped being able to stop pucks for whatever reason. Yeah. And so, no, I, it's like, it's hard, right? And so we talked about it like every year I'm a new team, one year contracts, and then eventually you're not, you're like, you're not getting renewed, you're not getting a job. And so the 2012, 13, there was a, a lockout in the NHL and I didn't have a contract. And so I decided to go to Europe to play. Uh, so I was staying ready and kind of in game shape, I guess, if yeah. the season started up again. And so we went to a, what we thought was a great situation. We went and played for the team owned by Red Bull in Salzburg, Austria. And it was like beautiful city, unbelievable country. The organization treats the team so well. There's a lot, obviously all the, the funding and everything behind Red Bull is massive. And that's the home of Red Bull and uh, all their sports research and everything is in Salzburg. And so there was a lot of great, aspects to that year, but I really struggled on the ice. And I, I thought going in, it would be easy playing at that level. And it wasn't. And by the time, like the roster deadline was over, I wasn't even actually on the active roster anymore. And so we're sitting there, we have two kids. I think Ella's like a year and a half at this point or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and we're just like, you know, going back there wasn't an option. The NHL was back on and I wasn't getting offers. And I was like, is this, do I really want to chase this around Europe? And our, our you know, our son was now in, um, in preschool and in, in all German preschool. And it's like, this is getting real now. Like your yeah. kids are starting school and stuff. 
And it kind of was just this moment where it's like, hey, like we could go back and both of us dedicate full time to the jewelry business. And what could that be, right? What could that turn into? And so that transition phase, because I had something to focus on, um, I think made it a lot easier for me than a lot of people who just, it kind of ends and then they're like, now what? So I had something to focus on. And and we were also in this position where we needed to make it work. Like I hadn't made enough money in my career that I could retire and just put my feet up. Like we had to make this work. And you know, that. It's what we did. We put our heads together and it started off just the two of us and we've grown. There's something about being hungry that I feel like is like pretty underrated. I agree fully. Yeah. Like you have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, we had, look, we were in a privileged situation. Yeah. Like we both realized that to start a business or to continue a business. So we had a little wiggle room, but it had, to, like Alex said, like we we needed to keep this going. Well, not if you want to buy a house in Vancouver. Well, that's the thing. Like, right, <laughs> like, we, we needed to stay hungry, so yeah. we picked the most yeah. expensive place. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, stay yeah, hungry, literally. That was literally. our plan the yeah. whole time, yeah. so. Smart, smart. So you came on full-time around around the time that you retired, but you were, like, helping out before that. Um, or how much I mean, help before that? Yeah. I, get, I don't know. Like... Like the way a supportive partner helps when you're trying to figure something out at home. But for the first little bit, like Ella was still two years, two years old when we moved to Vancouver. So I would, I would go to work in this, like, I guess it was like a studio that I, one of my girlfriends had like a clothing line. So she gave me like a little portion of her studio to work out of. And Alex would put Ella in the stroller from like the condo we lived in and like walk walk past Starbucks. Did you guys stop at Starbucks? Well, I actually was saying this to Ella the other day that I feel like I'm the reason she's obsessed, obsessed with Starbucks. It's, <laughs> she not, it's is. And also the fact that she can just have the app and order ahead and all of that yeah. easy stuff now. But I feel like we went to Starbucks most days in Yaletown. Like we'd walk and then we'd... Drop the packages Drop packages off, off at yeah. the post office. Yeah, I'd yeah. have them in her stroller underneath. And, yeah. yeah. That's... Joni yeah. and I started off the same way, literally dropping packages with babies. And it lasted about a week until we were like, this is not going <laughs> to work. We can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that it's first hard. part was trying. It was like the time, ta- the things that I found the most challenging is I don't, like I'm an introvert and I don't really love putting myself out there that much, but like trying to get into all these different like stores, department stores yeah. and like really trying to, I don't know, gain some, I guess, brand trust and visibility yeah. was I think the hardest part at the beginning because I didn't love going to trade shows and like They were exhausting up. for they you. They were yeah. so exhausting. Trade shows are exhausting. Yeah. They're we're just avoiding like, drain- them at all costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah they drain you <laughs> yeah. and you're just like setting up a booth standing there hoping that like the right buyer walks yeah. in and I don't know. I'm it's one I'm thing really, to go to buy, yes, like we yes. we're talking about to like find new manufacturers and suppliers, 100%. but to sit there with your booth is it's like slightly demoralizing it, too. It is. It's very humbling. Um, when did you realize that you had something special with Melanie Jewelry? Like when did it start? Kind of. What was like the first snowball? We were like, yes, we've made it, and then you realize like the next day that you need another thing. <laughs> What's the next thing? <laughs> yeah. I guess the biggest pinch me moment was probably our first like standalone brick and mortar. Like yeah. our first store was maybe the moment I was like, wow, like this is a place that we get to connect with our customers face to face because for so long it had been online or at somebody else's store, right? So like yeah. Nordstrom or like the Cross, Anthropology. Yeah. 
all great. But at the end of the day, like I'm not, and my staff isn't personally connecting with customers. You're not controlling the experience. No, right. And seeing what they like and being able to tell them what materials best suit their lifestyle or like what to wear and not to wear in the water, you know, that type of thing that kind of gets lost. So I think also being able to curate a space and like an experience and the actual way that you feel when you walk into our store, that was, that was really exciting. And that was probably the time I was most like, okay. You're like, wow, this is a real business. We're doing something. How far along in was that? I think that store opened June of. We should know this. (laughs) It's probably about five. Yeah. Five years ago. Like five years ago because yeah, it's coming up. So it was June. It'll be five years in June that that's that started. Yeah. So about like halfway through our 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I read that at some point you decided you wanted to own the full customer experience, have the stores, have your website. And how did you make that jump to decide to shut down wholesale? Yeah. It's actually kind of a sad story. The woman that actually got us all almost all of the major accounts that we had um, worked out of Toronto and her name was Nadine Parsons. I'm going to tear up. Yeah. And so um, unfortunately Nadine was diagnosed with cancer and it was a, it was a tough battle. And so we were kind of facing the realization that we would need someone else to handle those accounts and like, what would that look like and who would embody the brand the same way and all, all those sorts of things. And that kind of coincided with a time where we were we were sort of thinking about pulling back and and owning owning the brand as you mm-hmm. said and and it's there's so many aspects that play into it and and um but yeah it was so when you combine that sort of sense of loss uh, when Nadine eventually passed it was it was very difficult for sure yeah. and i think you know we look at it as owning that brand experience is important mm-hmm. and we were able to you're not able to control that in someone else's doors. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 difficult because I feel like I'm not doing Nadine justice by talking yeah, about this logistical like I, yeah, aspect. I can but jump back in. Yeah. I think it was really difficult because she was the first person in, like, the industry that believed in the brand. Yeah. And I think I really connected with her because, like, I'm a small-town girl. She was a small-town girl. She's from Newfoundland. And... She was just like real. And I think I'd had a lot of experiences within the fashion industry that just felt very Her surface surface and not yeah. me and yeah. not something I was comfortable being or mm-hmm. acting like. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand. When that. I spoke with her, I was like, oh my goodness. Like she gets it and she loves the brand. And she was like, she represented it so amazingly. And she was just so all in. Like, Honestly, she worked until the day she passed away because she oh. begged me to let her continue to work because it, she felt like it gave her something to focus on other than being sick. And yeah. when we lost her, I just thought to myself, nobody can replace her. Yeah. And I don't really want to. Yeah. And for the business, it felt like the right next step anyways yeah. to be able to connect to our customer more directly and have a bigger impact. Someone believing in you is just means everything when you're starting a business or when you're building your career. And I like totally do not take those relationships for granted. I actually remember 
just while you were saying that, I was thinking back to last August when we had our Holtz event and you showed up and Miriam showed up of Brunette the Label and Rebecca Bree showed up. And I actually had a very similar feeling to what you were describing in that I never really pictured myself being in like the fashion industry. I love clothes. I think they're very fun and I I love the experience, but it's not something I ever actively thought I wanted to pursue. And then when all of you guys showed up and were also welcoming and supportive, I was like, oh, okay, like I can do this. Like I can be in this place that doesn't necessarily feel so comfortable to me. And the warm embrace of people like that just allow you to take that next step. Yeah. And I think things are changing. Like I think women in business are kind of shifting everything to be a little bit more you do what makes sense to you and what's right for you. And like you're I don't know how you feel, but for me, like my brand is me. Mm And I want to treat it accordingly. Like the way that I would act towards somebody in my like personal life is the way that I should interact with our customers. And it can be softer. Like it doesn't need to be the old school business way, you know, just the way it doesn't need to be the, I don't know, old school fashion way that felt very like you can't sit with us, you know? No, for sure. I, I interviewed JJ Walsh and she was talking about like coming up in fashion in the early 2000s and working for like Condé Nast. It just like was such a different Mm -hmm. playing field. And now it is so much more welcoming and thank God, because there is room for everyone and we can all sit at the table together. And Miriam's a great example of that from Brunette the Label, she supports our brand. Like we have apparel, she has apparel and Mm -hmm. everyone is like in it together and wants everyone to succeed. Yeah, it's, I think it's beautiful. It's how it it should be. It's how it should be. And and it, sorry, it makes sense to me too that it it aligns with this time where everyone's voice can be heard. Like with the the fact that now we're direct to consumer and social media and the power of that rather than those big publications as being the only way to see something, right? So people can, people can, have their own voice, like Mel said, and and speak the way they want to speak to their customers and have their brand fully embody that. And that yeah. be that be the marketing, right? That yeah. story, that connection be how you're getting your story out there and your brand out there. It's a lot different than having to go through those old school channels and sort of this set playbook of having to do it this way and, you know, not being, uh, it's, it's kind of like the record industry in a way too. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's far more independent that way now than it would have been in the nineties. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. Mel's version. Yeah. I like I it. You saw Taylor Swift, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. yeah I I've seen her four times. Stop. Yeah. And her latest tour or not? No, 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 no. no, no. no. Taylor and I go way back. Okay. We, we, yeah. we, you saw her in Dallas team. in yeah. 2009. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm dying to go to the, her like, concert. Red tour, yeah. I think, was our first one. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. She's so talented. Yeah. Our daughter, Ella, is 12, almost 13. And, like, we've been listening to her together for her whole life. So like, I have videos of her as, like, a two, three-year-old, like, sleeping trying, at a concert. trying to sing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh sleeping at a concert. So cute. Um, so we got to go... Right before her 12th birthday, we went to the Seattle show. So fun. And it was probably one of the, like, I don't know, like, most special moments of my life. She was beyond excited. She had her arm around me the whole time. (sighs) She constantly still tells me that was the best day of her life. Like, we were just singing at the top of our lungs. There was all these people around so excited, too. It was just like, you can't remake that feeling. Yeah. Unless you go again. Yeah. Next year, this maybe year. Maybe I'll get to come yeah. next yeah, time. Maybe. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Some core memories wow. with dad, too. <laughs> 
Alex, what was it like for you to transition like into business from hockey? Like, are there parallels between the two of them when you think about it? Um, yes and no. I th- I think I mean I've always kind of been analytical in the way I the way I operate, and so and that that very much lends itself to goaltending. It's a lot. It's very regimented and very repetition, and right. sort of having this structured plan. So there's that aspect. And that's also why I think a lot of former goalies are also analysts on TV and radio and, and things like that. It's because it's a lot of just sitting and, and you watch a lot. So whether you're playing or not, you're watching and you're not, you're just reacting when it's time. But, and then I spent a lot of time on the bench watching too. So it's, and that's, that's a reality. Like that's a job that I, when I realized I wasn't going to be like a starting goal in the NHL, I'm like, well, I want to prolong this. So I better be a good backup goalie. And that right. was, and so you're spending most of the time watching and working hard in practice, but you're picking up a lot of things just by by being there and observing. And so to transition that into business, it's like, what am I seeing? What am I, what sort of information am I getting from that? What can I do with that information? And then the flip side, I think now that we're head up a team, yeah, a lot of those team aspects parallel in anything you're doing, whether it's a team sport or a business. And and I think just being able to see someone's value, like everyone brings value, whether it's the the leading scorer on the team or the backup goalie, right? Like everyone has a really important contribution. And so it, that's kind of the way I try to lead to with leadership is like what I've things I picked up on through sports for sure. And some of the examples from the great, great captains I had or great leaders or coaches and general managers, all those sorts of things. There's so much you can, you can take from that. And then also like how you do things differently. Yeah. That's a big aspect of it as well. There's been many of Zoom meetings where Alex will reference like, team sports everyone yeah, else is like, everyone's really into it except the mel's eye rolls are uh are pretty, i love it i can I'm feel sure them love it. Screen, no but. i actually feel like there's so much overlap between athletics and team and then building a team and growing a team and cultivating people like on your bench and i would imagine that having played as a starting goalie and then as a backup goalie gives you so much insight into like how people are feeling in certain ways and different times in their career. And maybe if they're having like, you know, not so great of a six months, you can help cultivate, you know, a different energy. Yeah, for sure. And in sports, so much of it is and goaltending, especially so much of its confidence. Um, And that's often the separating factor between someone who'd be considered the best in the world and somebody who's, you know, 60th in the world. Now, all, all those players still are in the same league, right? The NHL would have 64 goalies, but there's such a big spread, but sometimes it is just confidence. And so being able to realize that maybe somebody's underperforming and a lot of it might be confidence-based and it's like, okay, how do you, how do you put them in a position to succeed? How do you make sure that they're getting what they need? All those different things, like it plays into it. So, I mean, I, there are a lot of parallels. Um, Mel's eyes are glazing over. (laughs) No, no, no. No, but it's, he it, definitely comes from a more calm, like analytical place right. when it comes to that. I feel like type you guys are both very calm, to be fair. Yeah. Like, I feel like calm? I have a bit of a like yeah. frenetic energy to me. And you're, whenever I hang out with you, I'm like, take a job. So like, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess I'm a little more, I'm a little reserved. No, you're, I, I do you're think just like, you're calm. Most competitiveness can. Come out. I uh, haven't yeah. seen it yet. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Get on the tennis court. And that's what yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, apparently we're both 3.5s. Yeah. So we I should mean, duke it out. How long have you been playing? I mean, since I was like, since I could walk, oh, but like not, okay. but never well. Like I've always just been okay. It's been the one, tennis has been the one sport where I've kept up 
for the most part, my entire life. My husband would laugh if he heard this because he doesn't think I'm very good, but <laughs> I'm still in 3.5 and I haven't been kicked out yet. So yeah. you got to start winning tournaments. No, 3.5. I don't play tournaments okay. is the thing. Okay. I just play against my husband and he beats me every time, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's so fun. Yeah, it is. So how do you cultivate confidence? Like what would be your, your tips if you were coaching someone? I think there's... That's a good question. Stumper. It's important to celebrate wins, no matter how small. Like I think Mm -hmm. it's, there's, everyone's at a different place in their development, right? And whether it's, whether it's sport, life, business, all these things. And and there's, there's good things people are doing and there's things people can work on. I think that this is probably one of the other big things that, that I've taken away. And if, if I'm getting feedback and it's in a professional setting, personally, let's, We'll leave that aside. But if I'm getting feedback, you know, yeah. in a, that's the fun thing about being yeah, interviewed yeah. with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't even. I, I know I made the gesture Home towards feedback. Mel, but it's not no. like if it's if it's around like something professional, and I respect the person that's giving it to me, then like I can take it back to like sitting in a video room with my goalie coach and breaking something down. I'm like, I'm hungry to get better. I want this feedback, and let's build a plan to yeah. to do it and to execute right. So. That trust is important and a good, a strong relationship where it's like person's going to hear what you have to say and they're yeah. going to respect that and, and take it forward and know that you're you're coming out of a place that you, you care. Yeah. And so I think that's a big aspect too, that you trust that confidence and being able to get the message across and it's not all negative. It's like, you know, let's, yeah. that, and, and for me, I've always benefited from having a plan. So not just leaving it like, hey, you got to be better. Like, let's work together to come up with something that's going to help you get to where you need to get to. Yeah. Interrupting this episode to tell you about my weekly newsletter, What I'm Loving Lately, that comes out every Friday. I talk about what I'm reading, cooking, watching, listening to, and loving. And if you want to subscribe, you can go to my website, www.sophiecollins.com and scroll to the bottom to subscribe. It's so true about celebrating small wins too. It's definitely something like I'm not very good at. And I'm sure you've resonated with the fact that as a business owner, you have something really exciting happen. And then the next day you're like, I literally need to figure out what's happening today, tomorrow, the next six months, even after our event this week. On Wednesday, I was like, got to get social media posts up. Got to do that. Okay, that's done. Like moving on. This is our next launch in April. Like went out to Delta, like got our stuff unpacked. And it's really hard to stop and be like, wow, that was great. Yeah. Do you do that? Like, how do you do that? I feel like I don't, I feel like I don't do it enough anymore. There's just like little moments here and there that will just hit you. And I try to soak them in, but I think if you're always like striving, it's really hard to just enjoy those wins sometimes because you're right. Inevitably, there's like something else, some other fire you need to yeah, put out always. or something that like just dampens that spirit a little bit. Yeah. No, that literally happened to <laughs> yeah. me. I like went out to Delta to unpack our new vintage collection and one big pot was broke. And I was like, no, oh, I was on such a high. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it just happens. But like, I think the longer you're in business, the highs don't get so high and the lows yeah. don't get so Ooh, low. Ooh, that's sports right yeah. there. There you go. <laughs> She's learning. She's learning. Yeah, Yeah. see, she's listening to you in the Zoom calls. Yeah, see? Um, My eyes weren't glazed over. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like the more you have behind you, the more times you've experienced something, the more you realize like it's, that's not 
that's not the end, you know, yeah. as much as you might think it's the end of the world, whatever is happening, yeah. it, you realize it's not after you've experienced it multiple yeah, times. So. Totally. I remember we got on Goop and I was like, yes, like we're good now. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, we're not like yeah. we have a million yeah. other things we need to figure out. I know like Nordstrom buys and then all of a sudden, yeah. that, you know, that's huge. But then the next day something goes wrong yeah. and you just can't, you can't rest on that. And you're always thinking about like, what's the next thing? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say too. It's like, I think it's, it's hard to stop and celebrate the small victories or the, or the big ones too, because you're, you're planning so far in advance. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's February 1st today and we're, we had a meeting recapping holiday. last holiday and pl like planning oh next. God. So it's like, you guys are making me feel like you're so <laughs> you're, so, but this is, this is years of like, this is my yeah. thing. It's like, you know, you're in the moment and you're like, oh, we got to remember this for the next time. We got to remember. And unless you document it, yes. you, you won't. And then all of a sudden you're like, whatever, something about some email marketing goes out. And you're like, oh yeah, last year we said that we were going to do this. And then yeah. like, whoops, like, so yeah. you've got it, but that's, that makes it hard because you're like, you're constantly looking forward and it is important to sort of stop and just kind of look around, look back and, and acknowledge something, right? Yeah. And whether it's, whether it's good or bad, it's important that you, you sort of like document it and like come back to it and then think about what you can learn from it. The wins are tougher to come by now though. Like I yeah, feel like it's been a harder year for small businesses yeah. over the last little bit too. So you're constantly looking to like evolve and change and try to figure out like what is, <laughs> what is happening yeah. right yeah. now, you know? Yeah. The world's changing, feels like it's changing faster. And then, yeah. and then you're, there's, there's a lot of, so this is the thing, right? So that playbook is gone that we talked about, yeah. which created structure and I love structure. So, Same. but I don't, it I also it. then, so there's, there's a lot more ability for you to have freedom of voice, but then there's more freedom of choice. And so it's kind of like you're trying to keep up, but still be authentic to you. It's, yeah. it's a challenge. Yeah. Well, for and sure. I think that's like what sets you apart as a business and a person at the end of the day is like, what are you bringing to the table yeah. that's different than someone else? And only you inside like know what that is. Yeah. You, and it, it can't can be only, manufactured. And it has to be you. Yeah. Like it has to be or else it all is going to fall flat at some point. Totally. I think uh, your podcast with Miriam that I was listening to, she said something that totally resonated with me and I like messaged her right away after when she said something to the effect of like, I've always known what to do next and like where we're going. Mm -hmm. And the last like year or two has been really hard. And I was like, yes, like mm -hmm. I feel that deeply. It's like, you've always kind of had your next idea. And yeah. like, you know, there was always something driving that, but it's, you know, with the economy and how difficult things are for people and then social media changing so drastically, yeah. it is like really hard to navigate business right now. And so what do you do in those moments where you don't feel like a hit of inspiration or you don't really know what the next step is? I think for us, we're trying to pull back to like our core of mm -hmm. like what we are. And, you know, it wasn't the easiest season for us, like the holiday season and our actually our full last year. But we were like, who are we as a company and what do we value and a lot of that is connection and being in these communities and making sure that we give back to the communities we're in. Yeah. So even though we weren't necessarily in a position to be giving back, we did decide to donate 5% of like all of our November and December sales wow. to like three really important charities. And I think it was just a time, I think when times are tough, you kind of need to show who you really are and Hopefully people take notice and hopefully yeah. they want to support smaller companies that like have some heart. 
you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, I think another advantage we have is when you're, when you're a founder led brand and you know, Mel's names, obviously it's on the masthead. It's like, it's there. Right. And so Mel talked about that. Like she's the, she's the brand in that way, but Mel has such strong conviction in who she is and that, that helps lead the way for sure. And I don't know if she would realize that, but it's something that really can set the tone. And yeah, there, there might be like, she wants others feedback and like, obviously there might be indecision or all those things in the moment, but really it, it helps guide the way because who Mel is, isn't something that is a question to her. So that helps just solidify things for us, uh, for everyone else in the company and the way it needs to proceed. That's what I'm so beautiful. I know. I Thanks. Like, Thank wow. you. Have you always been that way? Like a really strong sense of self? Yes. Since you yeah. were a kid? Yeah. Ever since I've known her. So yeah. one of the things I love. I don't, yeah. It's really hard when somebody asks why, I, like, I wouldn't yeah, even know what not, to you, say. But how, how were your parents with you as a kid? Like, do you think that they instilled this sense of confidence? I Maybe I should have asked you about the confidence de- question. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't know how to answer it because yeah. I feel like it's kind of always been there. I think both my parents worked. My mom was a nursing professor. My dad worked in immigration. And he was, he was like the dad who I could do anything. So yeah. if it was baseball, if it was painting the house, if it was woodworking, whatever that entailed, like my brother and I were both included. Like, I never saw the difference. Right. How some girls or women feel like they're treated differently. I never got that at home. I and resonate then, with that as well. I never felt that way no, growing up. Never. I was like, whatever. Like, but like, then you get into the, the real world ceiling. and you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> you're like, wait, just kidding. <laughs> and then my mom's just like a really strong woman. Like, she was very kind and helpful. And she was like a nursing professor yeah. and nurse. So, Obviously, there's that nurturing side, but she also, like, worked really hard, and I saw that, and we, you know, they must have just, I don't know what they did. Well, no, that's when people ask me, like, how are you so organized? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you just do it. Like, you just get organized, and you stay organized. So that's just instilled in you. Yeah, Yeah. totally. I honestly, like, like, if people, like, write books on, like, things they're good at, I'm like, I don't think I could tell people how to be organized. Like, it's just so natural to me. No, I think to me. one of the, I think that's, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because like as, as a parent, like, you know, your biggest example of parenting is your own parents. And it's not like they're walking you through why they're doing these things. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's the, maybe not a lot of thought is given to it. And it's like that parenting playbook is kind of like, it's a lot of empty pages in there because there's not, it's not like a manual, right? It's yeah. just learning yeah. by the example. So to go back and think, oh, I'm this way because of this or whatever, yeah. it's, it's really difficult unless it's something you've had to work through in therapy, I guess. And had a professional's like expert <laughs> yeah. opinion on yeah. it. It's it's just kind of like it's the way I am or whatever it is. But yeah, yeah. it's it's something that it's definitely like, kind of like listening to that little voice in your head. Like yeah. you know when you feel something is yeah. right or when something is like yes. not in tune with your soul. Yeah. And I think I just listen to it really I actually well. I actually feel like Mel doesn't have the two competing voices I was gonna say because like I feel like it's just one really voice strong voice <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting like when no, you say it like that there's a whole industry to quiet yeah. one of yeah. the voices yeah there's well, I don't know there's something I don't know it's interesting Crown Royal well, brings out the oh. other <laughs> Crown Royal yeah. is this your drink of choice I mean it was back in the day I really really is this like an NHL wife thing like I actually don't know if I've met someone who's Crown Royal as soon as I meet somebody who 
whose drink of choice that is. We are. Like, I know. We are you're sympathetic. That's small your town, in your soul. Northern yeah. Ontario. Is, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It is small town. You actually remind me of my cousin who is from a smaller town in Ontario. I was like describing you to my husband. I was like, you know, my cousin, like, like the same kind of like confidence, but like also a little more reserved. And you have like the best of those those two things where you you do have that confidence, but like it's relaxed. Yeah, I'm pretty relaxed. <laughs> Most of the time. I love that for you. <laughs> all the rest of us have the other voice talking to us all day long. Yeah, honestly, I think there is a lot of stressors in our lives, obviously. Yeah. But I do firmly believe that the reason I love tennis so much, other than like the people and the social aspect. And the competing. And the competing. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, the competitiveness is it quiets everything. Right. Like you get on a court and it's just you and this little ball and you're n- not thinking about anything else. Like all the stuff at work, any family yeah. stuff, whatever you're it's dealing like meditative with. meditative for yeah, you. kind of goes away. Do you meditate either? No. Either of you? No, no. I've, I've, I've tried. It just frustrates me. I Yeah. Like it's just like, why can't I quiet my mind? And then I just start thinking about all these things that are not supposed Your to, to happen. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I do that too. Yeah, it's, I'm like I'm meditating. Ding, 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 ding. Well, the to-do list, that is, it's interesting. That is my, I feel like that's in a, in a way my meditation because like I, when you oversee a business, everything, right? There's so many different things that come up and yeah. so many unrelated things that come up, you know, five minutes apart and you can't get to everything in the moment. So for me, like there were times where I was like, that would be overwhelming. And I'm like, I'm someone who's like, my brain is constantly thinking about how something can be better. And I sort of oversee like the logistics aspect of our business. And it's like efficiency and improving all these things. And there'd be times I'm just like, man, like this is too much because I've got too many windows open on my screen and all this. So it's like really just having, you know, places where I put notes and know that I can trust, just put that away and I can focus on something else. That's a really important part. So I, jokingly say like it's kind of like how I keep my brain clear and keep myself on track is by like writing something down but parking it and letting myself know I'll get back to it because it's in a place where I How do you remember to get back it. to it? That's like my thing. It's like yeah. I have an idea and like I write it down and then I'm like, oh, I need to action it or it's going to go away. In my notes on my iPhone, I have like I have our, our key team leaders that I meet with regularly. Yeah. And so I, each of them has a note. And then it's just basically like a chronological like bullets of yeah. all the things I need to talk to them about next time we have a one on one. And sometimes I'll get to that before then if it's really pressing. But then I can review that. And then if I'm sitting down with with Mel, let's say Mel yeah, has her. Well, no, but it's like because this is a whole other part of our relationship, though, is trying to keep our two lives separate. Right. Yeah. Like uh, we can't we found that it's hard to always be talking about work at home and yeah. and it's obviously the opposite isn't something we want to do at work either and yeah. be talking about home stuff or the kids necessarily in front of everyone else. So just, I can sit down and be like, we have our one-on-one time and these are things we need to go through and I can ask for updates or whatever it may be. And that's a way I've done it. And then if there's anything time sensitive, then I'll try and plot it in my calendar, like a yeah. deadline and those sorts of things. But it's kind of... Uh, this conversation has taken a turn, but no, it's you'd, my, like I'm it's, excited right now. I yeah. love a logistic. I love a note. Really? Oh yeah. You should see my Google calendar. It is, it's crazy and scary for most people. But for me, yeah. it's like, this makes me realize, yeah, I'm, I'm the odd person out in no, this No, but that, you're the creative. Like yeah. I actually was just saying on, on my podcast with Jill, I was like, I am like trying to cultivate that more. So I'm trying to like leave that part of my brain to the side to be like, okay, let's spend two hours. Like, dreaming and creating and like thinking and finding inspiration like that is harder for me to do yeah 
That takes some, you need to carve out that. Yeah, time. and yeah. it's hard. I have a hard time carving out that time too. How but do you carve it out? Well, one thing, sorry, but no, to yeah. like make sure that the logistics don't get in the way. Right. And that's when people ask me what my job is. Like, in a way, it's kind of like when you're an owner, like kind of everything. Yeah. But my main job is to keep Mel's mind free to be creative, like to try oh, and take oh, the nice. logistical things like away from her. And so I it's, need to hire my husband. And then, and then, and then wow. just kind of like, Come in with what I know she needs to in, input on, right? Yeah. Like you need, uh, you I need look, to. It's hit and miss. Like oh, there are not... times we'll be at home, and I'm like, I'm done for the day on yeah. the logistical yeah. side of this. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, where do you find inspiration? I think travel is big for me. I think being able to get out of your everyday routine mm-hmm. is so huge, and just having the space to let your mind wander, yeah. because inevitably you're like checking your email or somebody's texting you and all these things are happening. So preferably somewhere where you're on a different time zone (laughs) (laughs) and nobody's texting you in the middle of the day. Like I have found, we have to go to Italy a lot because we do a lot of our uh, manufacturing and production there. And everybody here is like sleeping when we're awake. So I just have this span of time that I can let my mind just kind of go. And then you know, it's like architecture and yeah. fashion and I don't know, ideas come from everywhere. So just letting those ideas sit with you a little bit longer mm-hmm. and not having like a crazy to-do list. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny, right? Because when, when Mel gets into like sort of thinking about logistics and like following a schedule, then the creativity drops, dwindles. it turns it off. So it's, it's hard to, to balance yeah. for sure. Yeah, but I, but I also think it's like why, I mean, not every... I don't think every couple could run a business together. Yeah. And, and, but I think there's this complementary aspect to our personalities, but also like understanding where like this is her thing and yeah, this is sure. where I'm kind of going to oversee. And then there's, there's some crossover for sure. But, and communication, like Mel said, like there'll be times where like maybe we haven't seen each other all day. Like maybe I'm at home working and I've got all these things and I want to update her. I'm just like, I can't right now. And that's fine. Like yeah. it's just being able to say that is important. You just add it to your notes. Exactly. For, for so there's another bullet. <laughs> another bullet point. Another Perfect. bullet. Perfect. Can't wait for that yeah. um, How do you find like separation? Because you are on the masthead, like it is your name on the on the brand. How do you find that in your personal life? Sharing on social media, being on your like corporate, for lack of a better right. term, social media. Well, I kind of think I'm doing a really bad job <laughs> because... I don't think I'm doing it enough. I've had my team tell me over and over and over again that I need to be out there more. And well, here but, we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we are. Here you, you go, guys. guys. Um, <laughs> but just like talking on social media more yeah. and like showing the inspiration and showing the behind the scenes and honestly, all the things that I find really interesting about watching another right. founder do. Yeah. Like, I get it. It's just like really difficult yeah. because it's puts you in a more vulnerable place. And, and it, t- it takes a lot of time. That's the thing. There's yeah. so much time. And I actually feel like I'm really good at setting boundaries for myself personally and my time. And I think those two things are hurting each other, right. you know, totally. in a sense, because I like my time away. But I also want our customers to see like why I designed a certain thing or I want our customers to feel attached to the brand and attached to the brand because 
I'm being real and something I say resonates with yeah. them. So yeah, I to your point, I just feel like I need to be better at it. I'm, like you're going the other way. You're trying to be like I'm trying more to, involved. Yes. My, yeah. This is my year of let me put myself out there a yeah. little bit more. Like we did that event. I'm on a podcast. Yeah. Like these are two checks in a week. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. I, what if I slow down? Um, yeah. But no, I think it's important and that's how you connect with people. Yeah. And that's why I love the brands I love because I've listened to their story yeah. and it resonates. And so you want to support them and their values are aligned with yours. And so yeah. I think it is important that I put myself out there a little bit more to connect with people. Definitely. It can be fun. It's just like, it does take up a lot of work. You should just, you should try and get your team to just film you doing cool stuff at the office. And then you can even do like a voiceover. So it's not like Talking to the camera. You think I do lots of cool stuff at the office? I do, yeah. yeah just, I've been to the office. You should see Mel on the email machine. It's, <laughs> Here's Mel like, yeah. answering emails. Yeah. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> um, I always like to ask people, what are they obsessed with? And what makes you feel your best? It do you guys have to be feel like you could answer. guess mine? Crown Royal. <laughs> <laughs> uh Tennis. tennis. Tennis, yeah. Yes, I'm obsessed with tennis. And, and how long have you been playing? Uh, I started four years ago, maybe. Okay, wow. Yeah, like, it's like, like I took it up as It's a pretty new, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a new but obsession. But it's made me some amazing friendships, and it's something to focus on yeah. outside of, you know, like, family, obviously, yeah. so important, business, so important, but it just gives you a place that's, like, totally yours. And and it's nice when your phone is, like, away yeah. because you literally are holding a racket. It's not like being at the gym where you can still, like, no. check your email or, like, you know. Like, if you're that person, I'm never playing with you again. No. You know? Yeah. If you're checking your phone during well, That the would be the, the worst <laughs> tennis partner of all time. It, it actually happens. Really? Surprisingly On enough. the court. Yeah, mid it's only happened once or twice, not <laughs> mid just like for fun, yeah. but I'm like, ooh, never playing with you again. Yeah, no um, <laughs> <laughs> Your friends are going to know which one they are. <laughs> I'm not friends with this Yeah, person. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, is it wrong to say winning a tennis No. Match? Like I said, she's competitive. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. That's so fun. What about you? Um, supporting Mel in tennis. Oh, no. <laughs> Wow, he's going to come off. No, really no, right I'm, I'm yeah. kidding. That was, yeah, that was cheesy. That. Um, so it's interesting. Like my longevity is kind of my thing right now. And I wish I knew that at the beginning of this show. We would have and, just gone on a total tangent. Well, and so to me, like when you're a professional athlete, working out is your job. And mm -hmm. I, I really had a hard time coming out of that and figuring out like a purpose for training. And like, it's, I'd get, I'd go through these ups and downs and these swings where I was like really into working out and not. And it's like, I don't know, it just didn't, there wasn't a purpose for me. It wasn't about winning. It wasn't about getting better. It wasn't about my career. And then in the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, I started reading a lot more on longevity and listening to different podcasts and things. And I just sort of was like, uh-huh, this is kind of it. And then right. I've seen like the, that's the purpose. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the purpose. And it's, you know, obviously like wanting to watch your kids grow up and all of those things, but like still wanting to be active yeah. into uh, old age and all of that. But, and it, and then I've also felt and seen the swings and like my mood and my yeah. confidence based on like, it's not even like whether I like, <laughs> like yes, no, but it's, it's like, <laughs> that, you know, when you have to yeah. I mean, exert, that's like why I work out. Yeah. My it's your, yeah. it's such a, health. it's such a different feeling. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and it's my sleep too. Like I, 
I have a hard time sleeping if I'm not training because yeah. I just I haven't burnt enough energy in the day. And so all of these things, I'm just so much happier. Plus, there's all these other health benefits that go along with it. So that's kind of like, I guess, answers both questions, really. Yeah. But it's it's an important part. And I'm, I'm happy that I've finally found sort of the reason why to do it yeah. again. Yeah. What does your routine look like now that we've opened this, um, this can of worms? <laughs> well, I try to strength train three or four times a week. I'm experimenting with lots of different types of cardio. So like what? Well, we want to know the specifics. Yeah. So Peter Atia, who I Love follow him. and have, I got his book last year for Father's Day. I think he yeah. just got it for me. I'm still making my way through it's, it. It's, it's a I don't think you'll, read. you'll never finish. <laughs> it's um, like beside my sauna. It's I so feel big. like you should read this while you're in the sauna. Yeah. And then I'm like, not today. <laughs> but he actually, I mean, he actually says it's not necessarily meant to be read cover to cover, right? No, it's, it's like, like find your spots book. and things like that. So he wants a lot of zone two, which is, which I always thought was, Brutal and but it actually like I found zone a place two where for that. you can still like you're breathy, yeah. but you can still talk. Yeah. So okay. I, I kind of treat that as like a warm up almost. Like if I go to the gym, I'll I'll walk on a steep incline on the treadmill and then then I'm good to go after. And it's so that's there's so many benefits to that. And then some uh you know, we have a Peloton bike at home and try to do a couple of those a week and and you'll appreciate that he likes the cold plunge. Yes, the you, I yeah, was going to so say. That's, that's Did you our, guys get that installed? We don't have oh, it yeah. yet. Okay. We have a spot in our yard. That'll happen eventually. But I try to get in the ocean a couple times a week. I need it, to do that. Yeah, I so, never do that in Vancouver. And I really, really yeah, should. I, I just like live just far enough away that I'm like, It's just oh. tough. Yeah. Yeah. Like so an I, hour I try to go trip. and like, like this time of year, where the, I think the water temperature is about seven degrees and like up to my neck for three yeah. minutes and... Yeah, I I mean I love the feeling but but playing hockey like I, I have a cold bath after every That's like the cold OG tub. cold plunge is yeah. like athletes. Yeah, so I do it every day time. and I and I didn't know like all these all the research behind it. I just knew it felt good and it was like something I like to do. And then now it's coming up with this like all these things around longevity and then uh, cardiovascular health as well and yeah. so it's we will, we have this plan for a sauna and a, a cold tub in our, in our side yard eventually when we get to that. But it's definitely something that, yeah, I try to do. So I, I try to do something every day. And then ten, tennis, when, when, uh, when, Mel lets you. when Mel lets me play with her. <laughs> no, but I, I try to play regularly, like with, there's some friends I play with and it's like, it's great. I mean, it's, yeah. I think to Mel's point, like it's, um, I, I took it up fairly late too. I mean, we both took it up around 2020 and it's kind of like, this mix of this competitiveness. I like the fact that I'm still learning something. It's a new sport and I, I like that. Um, I like that I can get good coaching. Yeah. But I also like that it's social too, which yeah. I think is so important because that's that's one of the things I miss the most from my career is that that built-in social aspect. I'm not somebody who's like out seeking friendships all the time. I love the fact that I just had 20 guys built in every year that those yeah. were my, my best friends for the season and it was like so easy and I didn't have to put a lot of work into it. And man, I sound lazy, <laughs> but no, but it's just like, yeah. and it was just inherent with what yeah. I did, right? And, totally. and you it's have like this, a family so quickly. Absolutely. And that that's gone. So yeah, the fact that it is social and it kind of like pushes me out of my comfort zone a little bit that you got you to meet new people and, and go out there and do it. So it's great. Yeah, I love that. We, uh, we got us on a I guess like two years ago now, and I use it almost every day. Right. And I don't know if you saw Peter Atia's clip on saunas and like how amazing it is. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you yeah. have. But yeah, and then I do a cold shower. That's what I do. Three yeah. minutes, full blast cold oh. every day. And I swear since doing that, I have gotten sick maybe once. And I'm just like my mood right away is 
so much better. Wow. Yeah. I can tell it's like more than med like because I do meditate as well, but like when I don't do the cold shower, I'm like, I gotta get I gotta get in the shower and do a cold shower. Yeah, I get I it. Love I, it. I the cold the cold shower is hard for me. Like I it find is hard. it. Yeah. I but I can like just go and get right in up to my neck and I just like just breathe through it. What do I do oh, yeah. after? Yeah. <laughs> and it's yes. in the middle, it's zero degrees. Yeah. Right. You dry off. Bring a yeah. robe. Bring a robe. Oh my god! Yeah. Wednesday wow. robe. Yeah. The, the cold plunge robe. robe. Yeah. The cold plunge robe. <laughs> the coziest robe. Yeah. I love you that. Put that puppy on after. Okay, I love that. Well, yeah, this has been amazing. Like, I feel like now that I know you're into longevity, I feel like we could do a second episode on this. <laughs> I'll, 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 come, just I'll come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it on your bullet points for later. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining today. And where can everyone follow up with you now that you're putting yourself out there? Well, Melanie Old Jewelry on Instagram. My personal is Melanie Old. And then, yeah, on our website. Yes. And of course, our stores in Ossington, in Toronto, and in Kits in Vancouver. I love the little Ossington block because I feel like it's like a Vancouver. It's it does have, yeah, it, it is. It has a Vancouver feel and so yeah. many Vancouver brands. It's yeah. the best. Yeah, so it's really everyone cool. go check that out. And any like upcoming launches in February, March that you want to share? Have, yeah, we have some really exciting launches in March. Um, stay tuned for some. I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but hey, puffy letters. Oh, which I'm really excited so about. Fun. They're really cool. Um, and then we I love have, how you looked at me to see if you're allowed. Yeah, I'm like, it's, like you're, the, you're the brand. You're the brand. This is going to be in a bullet point tomorrow. <laughs> um, and then we have another really cool collab coming up with Jillian Harris. Amazing. Yeah. So Jillian, just such a supporter of female and small that business. That was one thing I should have mentioned in this podcast that Mentioned. did allow us to really grow really quickly, like her support of small businesses, yes. especially like female owned small businesses is like has been instrumental mm -hmm. in our success for sure. Jillian is someone who props people up in businesses yes. and she is like an economic engine for BC businesses, Canadian businesses. She's sure. incredible and her team is amazing. Yeah. And her, and her, and her following is powerful. Yeah. Like they, it is, it is, uh, I mean, it's really cool to see the way her business has evolved too. And yeah. yeah, she's, she's been a fantastic partner for us for sure. She's amazing. Yeah, she's we love her. We love you, She's Jill. amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We love you guys too. Thank okay, you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, so. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at Sophie C. Collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or onewednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.